Hello, podcast friends. It's time for the church to stand up and be who we have been called to be. Welcome to We Are the Church with Sherry Jones. We're going to discuss today's issues from a Christ perspective and how we should respond as the church. Not the church where we sing and praise, but the church within each and every one of us. So grab your tea, your water, your soda, whatever your favorite drink is. Sit back, relax, and join the conversation. I guarantee you will be blessed. Podcast friends, we are going to tackle a tough issue today, but we are going to do it with love, open hearts, and some laughs along the way. Race and stereotypes are hard topics to discuss. This is particularly true for the body of Christ because we like to believe that we are colorblind and problems don't exist. Today's guest, Steve Sims, shares great insight on how the church can no longer be colorblind, but color kind. Steve Sims is a white American Christian who has spent a lifetime, along with his wife, exploring America's racial issues. From selling Ebony's Black History books door-to-door while in college, to serving as a pastor in a Black denomination. From avidly reading Black history, regularly prayer walking in inner-city neighborhoods, to visiting historical sites that relate to race in America. He shares his experiences, discoveries, and biblical ways to get beyond racial injustice in the book, Off the Racetrack, From Colorblind to Color Kind. In addition to being a pastor, Steve also worked as a full-time motivational speaker for 12 years, an alcohol and drug counselor for five years, and a Salvation Army officer for 10 years. Steve has written five books that are available on Amazon. He continues to share new and creative ideas about church, race, and self-improvement in his blog, Free Gas for Your Think Tank, and on his Facebook and Twitter pages. Steve and I had such a wonderful conversation about this topic, the church and race addressing stereotypes. Grab your tea, your soda, whatever you got, and let's get started after a word from our sponsor. Hello, podcast friends. You are in for a treat today. Today, I am talking to Steve Sims. He is the author of Off the Racetrack, From Colorblind to Color Kind. He is a phenomenal and a dynamic white American Christian who talks about race. What about that, (laughs) y'all? But I'm excited to chat with him today. Steve, thank you so much for um, being with us today. Oh, you're welcome. It's an honor to be your guest. Thank you. Well, we're going to go ahead and hop into it because we have a lot to talk about today. We are talking about the church and race and addressing stereotypes, which is a hard conversation to have, but it's a real conversation that is very much so needed. And so first of all, uh, your 
your book title is so intriguing off the racetrack from colorblind to color kind. Can you explain to us exactly what it means to be color kind and how that impacts our faith as Christians? I sure, you know, as Christians, uh, Jesus said, uh, don't just uh, invite your friends over if you have a meal, because then they will repay you. But he said, go and invite the strangers. And um, it's easy to be kind and love people that look like you, at least it's easier, uh, and that act like you, and that are in your network and in your group uh, and, and in your race. Uh, but uh, color kindness is being intentionally kind to people of a different color, people that the world would say, you're not supposed to be nice to them. You know, what you doing being nice to those white people, you know, <laughs> or, you know, what are you doing <laughs> nice to those black people? But uh, if, you know, finding someone of a different color, you know, or, or, or ethnicity and uh, showing kindness. I mean, as Christians, we're to show kindness to everyone. You know, they know we're Christians by our love, but it's even more powerful when you show kindness to someone that normally you wouldn't. You know, when there's animosity, like in the in the Bible, it wasn't color. It was uh, ethnicity, the Samaritans and the Jews and the Jews did not want to be kind to the Samaritans. But Jesus was kind to the woman at the well that was color kindness or ethnic kindness. kindness. Hmm. Mm, that that is so powerful, and yet that example of Jesus and the woman at the well—he wasn't supposed to talk to her at all. And but you know, he spoke to her, asked her for a drink of water, and of course, we know the story. The rest is history. She was able to be one of the first evangelists to go out and tell people about Jesus. And so, for us to understand that it's important for us to be kind to people that don't look like us, we don't even understand the impact that we can make by just being kind as you said just saying hello to someone that doesn't look like us yes yeah, some basic things like uh saying hello uh paying a compliment you sure have a beautiful smile or wow sherry i love i love that blouse it's very colorful of course the people uh, listening can't see it but they really <laughs> And, you know, you, you want to be kind and compliment everyone, but especially as a Christian, uh, to be kind to those who are not supposed to be kind releases Christ's love and healing in an even more powerful way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true because we're so quick to make judgments based on appearance. And so to be intentional, I love that when you say be color kind is being intentional. And then also like opening a door. If you're walking into a building and you're black and there's a white man about to go in, grab the door and say, you go ahead, sir, or vice versa. You know, me as a white guy, if I see a, a black guy in front of me, you're about to go in or we're coming to the door, so you go ahead, sir. And just, just being nice, but being nice, to, you know, across racial lines, that would do a lot to help move us toward healing. If we would all begin to practice color kindness. Mm -hmm. That's so true. And then the surprising thing about that, even that example that you gave, the black man would probably be surprised that you would do that. Right. And it's like, why, why is it surprising that someone would be kind to someone that doesn't look like them? Uh, but that's what makes it so impactful. 
You know, a lot of people, especially a lot of white people say, well, it's not race, it's, it's, it's dress. You know, that, the guy in the hoodie, like, you know, the guy with, that, that looks like a gangbanger or something. Uh, uh, but now if it's a, a black man in a business suit, I wouldn't feel that way. Well, but, I mean, be nice to, you know, the guy that looks like a, a, a rough gangbanger. Be nice to him. I've prayer walked in a lot of inner city neighborhoods for years. And my wife and I, where there were shootings every two or three weeks, and we would just go walking through the neighborhood and, you know, see, you know, these, you know, guys that I would interrupt drug deals and say, hey, how you guys? And and my wife said, you just interrupted a drug deal. Did you see them stuffing stuff in their pockets? But we would, I would just be friendly. And they, before you know it, they were being friendly. And I never felt threatened. And before you know it, would say, do you mind if we pray for you? And oh no! And these rough-looking guys, and you know, that look like they're ready to cut your throat if you'd go with a stereotype. They mm-hmm. stick their hands out and hold hands, and when you start praying for them, oftentimes tears come to their eyes. Color kindness mm-hmm. is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's that's powerful. I could just envision that um, how phenomenal that was. You and your wife holding hands with these supposed gangbangers or drug dealers. And and that goes to show that we judge people by how they look, but we also judge people by what they're doing. But deep down inside, you know, sometimes people do bad things, but that doesn't make them bad people. And people respond to kindness, you know, Mm -hmm. and when you cross racial or color lines, uh, it, it, it immediately disarms someone. Uh, I was just telling Sherry before we started the interview uh, about a a black man that I've seen on TV a couple of times who's uh, targeted KKK leaders uh, with kindness. He would call them up and uh, say, can I take you to lunch? And so he would take a KKK leader to lunch and befriend. And before long, the KKK K-leader would be going, I don't know why I've been doing this. And he has several of their ropes that they had given him as they resigned from their position. So he said that I can't even think of his name, but that's a powerful present day example of kindness. And of course, that's what MLK was about, you know, loving your enemies. It it, it breaks open their hard heart. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Kindness can do things that money can't do, uh, that prestige can't do. Just being kind. Yeah. That's, that is so powerful. And um, that's respect. You know, when you, uh, the ultimate way to show respect is just be nice to people. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, that's true. Yeah, because when you were telling me the story about the black guy and the KKK leaders, I was like, wow, who would think to do something like that? But that was just so impactful for him to to make those connections. And like you said, he didn't go into it trying to convert them. He just went into it to just be kind and say, hey, let's let's talk, let's have a meal. But it ended up changing their view of him and black people as a whole. And, and so it's very powerful. Uh, one other aspect of color kindness is listening. Listening mm. across color lines. Uh, you know, we think uh, we understand uh, another race from our stereotypes, but until you sit down and say, what's it like being black or what's it like being Asian or what's it like being uh, white, you know? Uh, and when you listen to someone, 
you you get you know it, it gives you insight but it also heals them you know a lot of people that have suffered from racism they just need a listening ear to hear and say i'm so sorry you've gone through that you know mm-hmm. and and just to have some compassion mm-hmm. yeah that's so true and a lot of times we're we're afraid i think to open up those conversations because we think well, then we're going to feel guilty or we're going to feel bad about our part in that person's experience. But as you said, it's not really about that. It's just about listening and being empathetic to yeah. that person. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for all that. And so bringing it to, of course, where we are the church. So we're going to bring it um, to stereotypes in the church, in the body of Christ, you know, and sometimes we as Christians, we can be some of the most stereotypical and judgmental people that they are. <laughs> um, we, we do that. And so Sunday morning, as they say, is the most segregated time. You have white churches, black churches, Hispanic churches, all of these things. Um, but just speaking with the black and white right now from our experience, what are some of the stereotypes and biases that you feel between black and white churches that can keep us separated and keeps us from worshiping together? Uh, well, probably the basic one would be they're not like us. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're weird, or or, or or they they worship in a funny way, <laughs> or in a different way. And uh, you know, worship really, as you know, Sherry, isn't the outward form anyway. It's the heart. And when you're worshiping from the heart, whether it's quiet or whether it's loud, uh, if it's from the heart, you can connect with it. But that's a difference. I don't know why, but one of the stereotypes, I think, for black churches is they're they're loud and they go long and emotional. Yes. But then I visited a, a, white, a black churches that were more quiet than most white churches. Uh, and then the stereotype more of white churches is they're, they're stuffy and dry and very formal, you know. And, and the truth is you, uh, black churches come in both ways and so do white churches. Yeah, yeah There's some yeah, white yeah. Pentecostal and some white charismatic churches that could hold their own within the wildest black <laughs> church. <laughs> Yes, that that is true. And I think that is, like you said, a stereotype. We think, you know, white churches, you know, they're in at nine and out by 10 and, and, you know, it's quick worship and it's quiet worship and black people, we worship till three, four o'clock in the afternoon. And and as you said, all black churches don't do that. There's extremes in each one. And uh, when we have more of an understanding of that, and I think, and also the way our music, you know, um, the black churches, you think about the choir and the big music and things like that, but there are white churches that have great choirs too. And so we have to look beyond those stereotypes. And just, as you said, worship um, is individual. Each person worships and has their preference as far as how they worship. So when you're looking for a church, look at the, type of worship and the experience that you want beyond the color lines. Yeah, that's well Yeah, yeah, I would think so. Um, and so we talked about these stereotypes and these biases that we have of being different, different styles of worship. Um, how can we address these feelings in a healthy way so that we can better come together and actually worship and impact the kingdom of God together? 
Yeah, I think most people, their stereotypes don't come from personal experience, uh, but from hearsay. Uh, you know, they, it's just, you know, they just hear somebody and, and, or, or television shows, you know, the typical TV show. So it shows the black church and the people all dancing and, you know, and the typical TV show, if there's a white church on TV, little house on the prairie, they all look better in the door and they have all these white people sitting there like stone, like statues of Robert E. Lee or something. They're just sitting there. Uh, <laughs> you know, we get that from TV, it, but visit and don't just, you know, if you're uh, black, go to some white churches and maybe even a Korean Presbyterian, not far from my house. I mean, there's a Korean Presbyterian uh, church, you know, so there it's not just black and white, but churches are segregated by all sorts of skin color and ethnicity. But if you visit churches i've loved doing that in my life you know so many people see skin color as a threat and i see it as exciting i'm glad everybody's not like me and i love to find people who see things differently than me i, I find that invigorating and it you know it it, it, it and enlightening and so uh, don't base your view of uh, a, a, a church in another ethnic group or race just on what you've heard but you know go visit you know, once a month uh, for a year, you know, uh, visit a, a, a church of a different ethnicity or race and just, and, and you may like it, you yeah. know, and you yeah. will be surprised. And, you know, another stereotype I think both blacks and whites have of the other church is that they won't accept me. They, mm -hmm. they won't receive me well. And I have been to, gosh, I've never counted, but probably at minimum, probably way more than 50. I've been to lots of black churches and I have always been very well received. I mean, it just makes me feel good to walk in the door. People come up and shake my hand and hug me. And it's so good to see you and what's your name? And, you know, so, and then, you know, I think blacks also, and perhaps with even more reason because of the history of white racism toward blacks are more intimidated because, you know, the, the reason there is a black and white church was because, you know, a, a white supremacy that we are mm -hmm. superior and uh, we don't want to uh, have fellowship with those people because they're not up to us or yeah and it's not just race churches also have economic supremacy where you know the the the, the big rich church in a town and if you're middle class you may feel unwelcome there you know uh yeah. and 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 so it's you know it's not just the color but the uh i think we have moved to some degree beyond that we're uh, you know, there are probably some people in black churches that don't like seeing a white person come. And there are, I would say, definitely people in white churches that may not like seeing a black person come. But the majority of the people in white churches now have grown beyond looking at someone's color when they come to the door. And I think uh, black people would be welcome in most white churches. You know, if you can find some little bitty redneck town. In Mississippi, you might. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have a problem there. <laughs> right. And I'm half Mississippi. My mom's from Mississippi. Oh, my husband's from Mississippi. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs>
but most churches, even informally, you know, the, the deep southern states that had lots of racism, uh, so fortunately, it's been 55 years since the Voting Rights Act, and, more, you know, more there's more equality. And, you know, used to people stood up and bragged about being a racist. Racist governors would stand up, no blacks are coming to our school, and I'll stand, you know, and, and just, just like 50 years ago. But today, no governor wants to be known as racist. You know, it, it, so that's an improvement from bragging about being racist to uh, not wanting to be known as one. So it's been slow, but, but, yeah, just uh, stepping out and visiting would be a great thing. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think a lot of that what you're saying, like no one wants to be racist now. Um, it seems to have been a shift, um, but I think because of the Black Lives Movement and things like that, it's almost cool to be down with the black people. Right. Um, and I don't know how sincere it is. It can be sincere with some people. Some people are learning. Some people are growing. Some people's eyes are opening. But for some people, it may still be a thing of, well, this is the cool thing to do. But you don't know kind of on the inside, you know, if they still have that issue, um, you know, with, you know, black people or even the other way around. Sometimes it's just cool to say you're not racist. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, from from that standpoint. But um, from your standpoint, though, I do see a lot of change. And um, it was interesting, like you said, about the fact that uh, more white churches would be open to people of other races coming and visiting there. Um, one thing about it is in leadership. What is your viewpoint of how a white church would receive someone of another race coming in and working in leadership? I think that gets to the whole point of biblical church leadership versus American church leadership. Uh, when you read about the church in the New Testament, Paul told Timothy to appoint elders in the plural. And in the Bible, when I read the New Testament, church leadership is always plural. It's not a one man. And America has put one man. If one man is in leader, the leader of a church, and he's white, you know, it, it's going to take a really charismatic white guy to, like Joel Holstein can do it. <laughs> but uh, a lot of white guys aren't going to, you know, uh, pastors aren't going to appeal to to uh, blacks just because of their style and uh, their lack of charisma, perhaps. And uh, the same with blacks, like T.D. Jakes. Uh, I mean, I think he appeals to a lot of white people, uh, but that's a rare uh, black man that can appeal to lots of white people and a rare white man who can appeal to lots of black people. So if you use the biblical model and you have a plurality of co-equal leaders, uh, with no hierarchy, because Jesus is the head of the church. Uh, American Christian has made the pastor the head, but the Bible says Jesus is the head, the living, resurrected Jesus. So the uh, under Jesus, you've got the leaders, the elders, uh, the plurality. And if you have a plurality, the church in Antioch, uh, the, it lasts, the elders prayed over Paul and Silas. You know that story? Mm -hmm. in Antioch? And there were five of them. And one of them uh, is Niger. And Niger means black. So right. I've five elders 
uh, the co-leaders of this uh, under the headship of Jesus. One, at least one was black. One was raised with Herod the Tetrarch. So one of them came from political power. One was black. They, they were a diversity. So if a ch churches would raise up a diversity of leaders as co-equal leaders, you could have a black one, a white one, an Asian one, and they could function, you know, with no, with Jesus being the head and no man, you know. So it wouldn't be a white church. It would be a Jesus church with a diversity of leaders uh, working. And, listen, and that will only work if we listen to the Holy Spirit, you know. It, uh, if we use titles and, pro you know, this is funny to me. Jesus said uh, the Gentiles lorded over each other, but this mm -hmm. is not to be so among you. The greatest should be the least. And yet modern American has set it up with a hierarchy where the mm -hmm. pastor lords it over the, uh, the his uh, board and then he lords it over. So that may be a little controversial for your program, but I believe <laughs> that's okay. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I believe part of the problem is the way church has been structured. Uh, I, I co-led uh, a church where we did that with the Salvation Army. It was in an African-American neighborhood and it was black and white. And rather than having a person preach, uh, we met, we did praise and worship. And then we just let the Holy Spirit lead and said, who's got something to share? If the Holy Spirit oh, wow. prompts you to share, you share. And there were five or six of us. That kind of, if somebody shared something out of line, there were enough mature, all elder means is a mature believer and would stand up and say, well, thank you for sharing that. But, you know, really, uh, you know, like if they said something just off the wall, like God's a frog. Well, thank you for sharing that. But the Bible teaches that God is a spirit. He doesn't have a body, you know, so it becomes a teaching moment. So you're not. So the body that way, it doesn't matter if you're white or black or uh, Puerto Rican. We're all equal and anybody can share. And just think if churches would begin to meet that way, there would be no question about are the white people controlling this? Or are the black people controlling this? No, Jesus is controlling it, the living, resurrected Jesus. And then when people share, you see their hearts. And, you know, when uh, we did that for 10 years and, you know, as you know, black people would share, the white people would go, wow, I've had those feelings. And as the white people would share, the black people would go, wow, that white guy's experience is just like mine. Mm -hmm. And if, to get to that point, most pastors aren't going to give up their authority. So it's kind of a pipe dream, just, you know, because they're not humble enough right now to say, okay, I'm going to step down and oversee. In the Bible, the leaders are overseers, and that's like an official in football. You know, the official runs up to him. The official doesn't throw the ball, kick the ball, catch the ball. He watches. And if anything's out of order, he stops it and corrects it. And that's the biblical idea of an overseer. If anything's out of order, he stops it and corrects it. And then that opens up the body of Christ to truly love one another and get to know each other heart to heart. And as we were saying earlier, you know, if we you and I get to know heart to heart, we have so much in common. We love our kids. Uh, you know, I mean, we just have so much. All human beings have so much in the heart level that skin color is such a tiny little thing. It's really insignificant.
Right. Yeah. Yeah. That that's a that's beautiful. What you explained about how your Salvation Army Church worked with everybody being able to share and having that diversity um, of experiences coming together and people coming together and 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 sharing in that way. That that was beautiful experience. Yeah. And they would also share short scripture, I mean, scriptures and short teachings. And there's a Bible verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 26 says, when you come together, one has a song, one has a hymn, one has a revelation. So it's like each one of you has something to share when you do that. Uh, so like I mentioned, I don't think most pastors, black or white, are willing to step into that. But here's an easy step that I think would really help uh, do what we're talking about to bridge the gap between black and white churches is if every Sunday uh, a white church would invite uh, a person of another ethnicity, Asian, Hispanic, black, just one person each week to give a five, six, 10 minute testimony of how they got saved. Just think, I mean, your preacher could still preach, but if every Sunday you went to church, you heard a person, like if it's a black church, you heard somebody that's not black, tell how they met the living Jesus. And after you hear five, six of those testimonies, you're like, they're my brother, they're my sister. Because Christ in you connects with the Christ in them. So in a white church, if the pastor every week would recruit some born-again Christian that loves Jesus to come and not talk about politics, because that we would disagree on that, but if they just shared how they met the living Jesus and got saved, then you would see Christ in that white skin or that black skin, and it would heal a lot of the, the the hurt and the divisiveness that was sowed over the last 400 years in America. Yes. Yes. Oh, that, that is wonderful. I wish that would happen. That would, that would just be, uh, as you said, a dream come true for us to really see each other as brothers and sisters in Christ with shared experience because as Christians, no matter whether you're Hispanic, you're, you're, you're Asian, you're black, you're white. If you are a Christian, we all have a shared experience of having an encounter with Jesus and accepting him as our Lord and savior. So if we can focus on that and not the skin color. Uh, when we first started the Salvation Army Church, people, the first meeting or two, they were a little shy about sharing, you know, because mm -hmm. nobody, they want the preacher to preach. And I was right. like, I'm not here to preach. I'm here to facilitate. And so my wife and I had the idea. It was the Holy Spirit said, start inviting people to give a testimony. So we, we would say, would you give a five, six minutes, you know, quick testimony of how you got saved? And over the first year and a half, we had 90 people black, white, every color. I mean, anybody, uh, you know, that, that I knew that was genuinely in love with Jesus, uh, I would invite them to give a testimony. And it was such a wonderful thing to see. And after you hear a lot of diverse testimonies, you truly realize we're all members of the kingdom. And the kingdom loyalty becomes greater than the racial loyalty and becomes greater than the national loyalty. Like in America, too many Christians, number one loyalty is with America and number two is with Jesus. And that's out of line. Yeah. Right. And are too many American Christians, their number one loyalty is, I'm, you know, as their race, they're proud to be, you know, mm -hmm. white pride, black pride, Asian pride. But that's wrong. Our number one loyalty needs to be, I'm a Christian. That's right. And, 
you know if if an asian christian and and me meet he and I, I are closer than a family member of mine who doesn't know the lord because he's my spiritual brother even though he may be a different race right right yeah. you know, that spiritual you know. connection is the strongest connection yeah. and we need the holy spirit we need to uh, facilitate and give the Holy Spirit more room to heal the racial wounds. And uh, both the thing that both black and white churches tend to have in common is the services, even though the free flowing services where people dance, they're st in the black churches and they stand up as the preachers preaching and say, yes, preach it brother. You know, and they, <laughs> and they stand up and they're going, but there's still a lot of control. On the service the pastor is has a tight control and i really believe that hinders the working of the holy spirit and uh the holy spirit when we just let him let people speak tenderly from the heart and sometimes tears come to their eyes and when they see you see the humanity and the spirituality in a brother or a sister of a different color and it's deep it moves me to think about it i mean yeah. you know, the kid so many times just seeing christ in brothers and sisters and uh you know different age groups you know in christ it doesn't matter how old someone is male or female uh what russian or chinese it doesn't matter nationality ethnicity skin color in christ we're one yes 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 that's one yes we are all the same we are all the same in christ well i appreciate this conversation today i mean you have shared your heart um you shared great perspective on you know stereotyping and what it is to be color kind and and that's what we wanted to talk about today how we can bridge that gap between black and white and i think one important thing that you said um that can help all of our listeners is just to step out and visit another church it is not that hard you know it's not that difficult break through that stereotype break through that fear and just go and fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's fun. I really enjoy going to different kinds of churches, different denominations and different ethnicities and race. It's, it's really fun once you do it. I mean, it's like why fly to Africa to get to know the African culture when there's remnants of the African culture in, in a black church half a mile from your home. You know? Exactly. 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 Or we think, you know, we got to go to, like you said, Puerto Rico or Mexico or something. Right. And there's a Hispanic church just around the corner. Around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> we say at the same time, <laughs> right around yeah. the corner. There's so a Spanish kind of like, church right around the corner. It's like cheap international travel. You, and I love visiting churches because oftentimes they have that you, you show up and they're having a potluck and come on, stay for dinner. And you're like, all right. <laughs> exactly. Then you get to taste some different types of foods. Yeah. And stuff. I mean, you're just you're learning so much. And, and it's right here, right within our grasp. Yeah. We just have to open our eyes and see. And I think that's just the whole point and the whole heart of your platform with the color kindness and just diversity and embracing each other in church is that we have to look at the heart of things. 
not the outside, not the external, not what we look like on the outside, because in the heart, we're all the same, particularly if we are all Christians and we're all a part of the body of Christ, then we're all knitted together with one thought. And that's Jesus. Amen. I love it. I love it. Well, uh, Steve, if you can share with us, um, and you said a lot already, but share with us, um, your closing thoughts, just what, what's the main thing that you want our listeners to um, leave with? And then also let them know how they can connect with you, how they can get your phenomenal book. Uh, I'm sure our listeners are going to want to know about more about Steve Sims. So let us know. Okay. Another word that I use for color kindness is color appreciation. You know, oh, instead okay. of color anxiety. Americans have been trained to have color anxiety. If you're in a diverse group, to be a little anxious about, oh, but if you move beyond, you know, if you saw a bouquet of five different colors of flowers and you got all anxious, oh, all these colors of flowers, what am I going to do? You, you don't do that. You see a bouquet of flowers and you go, those are beautiful. Look at that. The yellow and the, the pink and the purple and the red. You don't get threatened by by them. So I would say refuse to be threatened by color. Co color race is a myth. There, there's no race. It was made up uh, in the 1600s to justify the slave trade. I mean, how could white Christians justify torturing black people and holding them in lifelong bondage unless they could say they were inferior. So they made up the idea that skin color makes them different than white people and it makes black people inferior. And that's the lie that has plagued us since 1619, when the first black scout off the boat uh, uh, that were brought in uh, to Jamestown, Virginia. And ever since then, you know, it's uh, in the beginning, the racism, at first they were indentured servants like the white people, but as a little time went on, they said, hey, their skin's different. They can't run away. If they run away, people will spot them. And that's really what started black slavery because, uh, you know, white indentured servants only had to serve seven years. And so then they did. I didn't mean to get off of that. But the, the Oh, thing no, that's good. Good history. Yes. The, the, the main point is that we, you know, we've been sown in our hearts uh, by our society both black and white, to be apprehensive and anxious about skin color. And what if we'd grown up being apprehensive and anxious about flower color? That would rob you of so much pleasure. And uh, I, I say, cultivate color appreciation. See someone from a different color and think, Wow, isn't that a, a, a doesn't that person's skin look nice? You know, instead of well, you know, and and so um. Yeah, I have a lot in my book. It's called Off the Racetrack, as you mentioned. And uh, it's a lot of personal stories, a lot of insights. Uh, like if you cut a person open, a black and a white, and inside we look the same. You have the green liver. I think the liver's green and the kidneys are red. And we're the same color on the inside. Too, too bad we're not. You know, that there was a guy on TV that you could see his organs. He had a, It was on PBS. Mm -hmm. And he had like it was a kid's show and he wore like this black suit and all the organs were on it it was like you were seeing through his skin and if we yeah. could see you and i if we could take our skin off people would look and our organs would be the same same the heart would be the my heart your heart would be the same color you know like we'd all bleed red so uh just learning to appreciate and one way to do that is uh 
to listen to other people of a different color, visit their churches. Uh, uh, you know, another way is to read about their culture. Read if you're white, read Black history. You know, uh, you know if you want to learn more about Asians, read you know, read about Hispanic history. Read about Native Americans. Uh, mm -hmm. And I love reading about different cultures and different ethnicities. So as black history, I, I, I did a blog a few years ago, why a, black, why a white guy digs into black history. And I read everything I can find uh, black history because one, it breaks my heart and I need to see, sometimes we need to see the cruelty of men to men. To, to have compassion and to realize how much we need Jesus. And human cruelty is not tied to one skin color. But when you read and see that cruelty, it, it softens my heart. But the other thing is I see such heroism in African-Americans who endured uh, human bondage for their life and had their kids sold away. And so many runaway slaves had such courage. Uh, I, I love what Frederick Douglass said. He said, when Patrick Henry said, give me liberty, or death, that was one thing. When a runaway slave says it, that's everything. Because if the runaway slave, I mean, they were often mm. killed and tortured and, you know, so I can't stop talking sometimes. Mm. <laughs> <So> <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> you are fine. You are fine. <laughs> You're just sharing so much great nuggets of, of information. I just appreciate it. Uh, so let everyone know how they can um, purchase your book and how they can follow you on. If you're on social media, if you have a website, let us know. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at uh, C Steve S I M M S. And I'm on Facebook and you can follow me there. I'm at my 5,000 friend limit, but sometimes somebody will drop out. And if you can sneak in, I sent you a friend request a while ago. Okay. And, and I, I have my, my book off the racetrack is available on Amazon. If you just uh, off the race track and, and search for it on Amazon, also have a book called beyond church. Ecclesia. If you just search Beyond Church on Amazon, it talks about my 10 years leading the multiracial participatory sharing church with the Salvation Army. And then I have a third book called The Joy of Early Christianity. It's all about speaking in tongues and getting slain in the Holy Ghost and casting. Oh, okay. oh that's my kind of book. <laughs> you know, power things, miracles and signs, the fruit of the spirit. You know, uh, it, uh, it's, 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 it's doing the act stuff, healing, divine healing, naming it, you know, praying the prayer of faith and seeing miracles. So it's your kind of stuff. <laughs> yes, yes, I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much, um, Steve, for being with us. Listeners, I know you enjoyed this conversation today. I hope that it gave you a new perspective on the church and race and how we can go beyond the stereotypes and see each other more as the body of Christ. Steve has shared great information with us. Please make sure that you connect with him and we'll chat with you next week. Thank you so much for your presence and your listening ear for today's episode of We Are The Church with Sherry Jones. I hope that it was a blessing to you. Please make sure that you check out our show notes 
for more information about today's guests and how to connect with them, and also how to follow We Are The Church with Sherry Jones on social media. I would love to hear your feedback on today's episode. Also, any suggestions that you have for topics or guests. Send me an email at wearethechurchpodcast at gmail.com. You all take care, be blessed, be safe, and remember, the church is not a building. We are the church.